the light glowing from our Advent wreath is burning brighter. This radiance warms our heart and fills us with joy. The Lord has done great things for us. Let us rejoice. From Psalm 126 we read, May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheep. Light three candles, see them glow, brightly so that all may know how three candles show the way, making our darkness bright as God's day. Dear God, we carry many burdens and worry over many things. Help us to hear your promise in this Advent season that is hearing we may re- that in hearing we may receive the Spirit's gift of joy. And may our spirits be kept sound at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose, na- in whose name we pray. Amen. So we're going to continue on in the Gospel of Luke today. That's where we started last week. We're going directly from where we were when, um, when we left off. And we're going to talk about the second time that the angel Gabriel went to go speak to somebody. He was a very busy angel. If you think that your Christmas season is hectic, kind of imagine what was going through his mind at that point. Let's pray together and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you as always for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the many, 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 many reasons that I do not like texting or instant message is that it rarely, if ever, conveys tone. And without tone, you can't always see heart. Looking back over the last several years, I can attribute almost every misunderstanding or damaged relationship to a text message or an instant message that somehow went awry. Because there's too much wiggle room for somebody to misinterpret what your conversation partner is trying to communicate. So a helpful rule of thumb is don't, don't text me. Don't, don't do that. Tone, because, because for me, tone is a reflection of the heart. It, it speaks to, to what is really going on in your heart. And oftentimes our words are an overflow of the heart. And that makes today's scripture distinct from last week's telling of the angel Gabriel's visit to the old priest, Zechariah. So remember last week, when the angel showed up, Zechariah is in the sanctuary of the Lord. He's in the Holy of Holies. He's all by himself. And the angel says, congratulations, you and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a baby. And then the angel goes on to talk about what a special child this baby is going to be and what a blessing he's going to become. Well, do you remember what Zachariah's response was? It wasn't, wow, that's awesome. And it wasn't, God is so good. It was, are you kidding me? And not the, are you kidding me? Like I won the lottery, but the, are you kidding me? Tone of disbelief, the kind that often you get from middle schoolers when you talk to them. (laughs) Zechariah, the faithful priest, at a pinnacle moment, at a pinnacle moment in his priestly career, flashed out a range of doubt towards the pronouncement of the angel. He questioned Gabriel, how could this be? How, How could this be? The laws of science and the laws of parenthood 
defy the angel's proclamation. There's no way. Maybe Zechariah thought that, that God was unaware of exactly how old he and Elizabeth were. But still, the, the priest had his doubts. And when push came to shove, that's what came flying out when it was his turn to speak. And speaking of speaking, the question did not turn out well for Zechariah, who spent the next nine months unable to verbally announce the greatest news in the whole history of the world. So this week, it's Mary's turn to have the run-in with the angel Gabriel. Let's take a peek at how she responds to her big announcement. In the sixth month, when the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And so the angel says to her, do not be afraid. That's probably in the angel handbook somewhere, right? Start every greeting with, do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He is going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. So, Mary says to the angel, well, how, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And there it is. That's what we were looking for. The question. Zachariah asked, how will I know? And Mary asked, how, how can this be? Zachariah lost his voice over his question, so what do you think is going to happen to Mary? The angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child <coughs> that will be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. Okay, so that's how it's going to happen. Mary's probably still trying to process this a little bit, and he goes on to say that Remember Elizabeth, your cousin, the one who's so, so old? She's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, wait a minute. Where's, where's the rebuke that Zechariah got? Where's the, where's the lecture? Where's the losing of, of the voice? What's so different about Zechariah and Mary? Well, for starters, you have two people that that just by looking at them, you can tell are two very different people. You have an old man and a teenage girl. So right off the bat, even in the ancient world, you've you got to communicate a little bit differently with a teenager than you do with a senior citizen. One of the biggest things that, that we work on with young preachers when they're first starting out and they're first starting to give sermons and they're first starting to interact with people it is that you can't talk to everybody like they're a seventh grader. You just can't. You have, you have to vary your communication style based on your audience, who you're talking to. The information can be absolutely identical, but the communication style has to vary. We're dealing with two people of very different stature. In Zechariah last week, you have a well-respected priest. He's a leader in the faith community. 
He knew that the possibility of him getting chosen existed. It wasn't a big possibility, but it existed. In Mary, you have a humble, poor, unimpressive young girl from a nowhere town who never, ever had the idea that she would be chosen for anything, much less to be the one to bring forth the Savior of the world. That idea is completely laughable. If anybody was going to cast doubt on God, one would think it would be the wide-eyed teenager, not the wise old priest. And though both of them respond to Gabriel's big news with a question, their tone reveals two very different hearts. Zachariah's tone is one of doubt. Oh yeah? Oh oh yeah, God, you're going to do this? Prove it. Mary's tone is one of humility. God, of, of all the people in the world, what could have possibly made you choose me? Just imagine if text messages were a thing back then. Both of these conversations would have been complete nightmares. There's not enough emojis in the world that communicate, congratulations, guess what? You're giving birth to the Savior. It doesn't exist. So instead of rebuking her, Gabriel goes ahead and he outlines the game plan. He's going to calm her down by explaining exactly how this is going to go. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. Gabriel must have known that Mary was thinking, you know, this is a little crazy. This is a little unrealistic. So that's why he went ahead and he mentioned cousin Elizabeth in her old age who's now pregnant and follows it up with nothing. Nothing is impossible for God. So Mary's response at that point is, here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departs from her. When Zechariah finally parted ways with the angel, he left the sanctuary. And even though he lost his voice, he went out into the crowd. And remember, his arms were flailing everywhere. He was trying to attract attention, trying to give everybody all of this good news. Well, Luke records Mary a little bit differently. Luke records that Mary quietly left town for a while. And that's somewhat understandable. I mean, given the enormity of the big news that she's just received, she needs a little bit of time to to process this. When Sung and I were expecting for the first time, I I have to admit that I'm, I'm a little bit more of a Zachariah. He's a little bit more of a Mary. This is a true story. I went the route of trying out no less than nine different pregnancy tests over a period of a few days wanting to prove that this was actually true. Sung, on the other hand, also true, had to take more than a few deep breaths and some really, really long, quiet hours on his own to come to grips with the big news. Part of Mary's leaving town may have had to do with the potential consequences of being an unwed pregnant teenager, but it may also have had to do with Mary's understanding of what was happening to her. As if anybody, anybody, even in the no-name town of Nazareth, is going to believe that little old Mary is going to get picked out of the entire universe to give birth to the Savior King. Mary didn't think enough of herself for that. And why should she? Because she was told. She was told, "You're, you're nothing. 
You're from an irrelevant town. You're just a kid. You have no importance. I wonder what it was like for Mary when she finally reached Elizabeth and for Elizabeth to come running towards Mary to confirm and, and affirm what Gabriel had told her. There was no condemnation for Mary. Instead, one of her very own relatives says, Blessed are you. Blessed are you among all of the women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why did this happen? This is Elizabeth asking this question. Why did this happen that you came to me? The mother of of our Lord and Savior decided to come to me. For as soon as I heard your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. So how how did Mary receive this? Hearing Elizabeth say, blessed are you among women. Do you think Mary thought that she was blessed? Did Mary feel worthy? At some point, do you think she moved from humility to expectation, the possibility that, that maybe she deserved such a great honor? That, yeah, it was about time God recognized her importance and, and she deserved to be the mother. Not, not likely. Not likely, at least the way that Luke records it with such detail. Mary's own words are what reveals her heart. As, as I read Mary's song to you, and, and it's a song that I know that many of you have heard so many times, I want you to do some counting with me. And I want you to count how many times Mary talks about herself versus how many times Mary talks about the greatness of God and what God is doing in her life. It goes like this. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and he has lifted up the holy. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise that he made to his ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So, by my count, and math is not really my subject, four times Mary references herself directly. And depending on how you calculate it, she speaks of the greatness of God somewhere between 12 and 15 times in this short little passage. This isn't about Mary. This is about God. Zechariah was looking to God to prove his greatness. Mary received that greatness with a humble heart and a deep gratitude. What Mary experienced firsthand was the faithfulness of her great God, whose mercy extends from generation to generation. Now, I think sometimes when we hear that, when we say God's mercy extends from generation to generation, we think we're only going forward. So, yeah, the promise is good for me, it's good for my kids, it's good for my grandkids. But when we talk about generation to generation, we're talking about it was good for my parents, it was good for my grandparents, it was good for my great-grandparents and my great-great-great-grandparents. From the very beginning, God was faithful and God was good. She has experienced the God who acts on his promises and who keeps them. His strength has been shown in leveling the proud and, and the humbling of the mighty, and at the same time, exalting the lowly. 
So here's what I want you to be thinking about this week. What is your tone going to be going into Christmas this year? Because I think every year we have the ability to, to change our tone. Some years we go into Christmas and we're Zacharias, and some years we go into Christmas and, and we're Mary's. So Zacharias are, are people that, that know the story. They know the words, they know the prayers, they know, they know what they're supposed to do and say and, and exactly how they're supposed to feel at all the different Christmas-type events. They have some vague, distant memory of a God who at one time made promises in their life, but the years have created some doubt for them. Zacharias, they're the wait-and-see type. Maybe this Christmas will pan out, maybe, maybe not, but they want God to, to prove it. And I want you to know that Zacharias aren't bad people. There are some Christmases when all of us are Zacharias. Something's happened in our life where, where we're doubting. And we want God to prove it. We want him to come back strong and prove it to us. So it's not that Zachariah is bad. It's just I'm asking you to consider what your tone is. Now, perhaps you're Mary. You, you've had plans and dreams, and, and you've stood there right on the brink of your future, and it's all going well, only to have it change in a moment's notice. So what Marys tend to do is they, they tend to take the past, not with regret, but hope for tomorrow. It's interesting, when you go back and you look at the passages about Mary, you never read anything, Mary was so sad because this unplanned pregnancy ruined her chances of going to prom, and she didn't graduate with her class, and she was sad that she didn't get to have a normal-type wedding. There's never any discussion about all kinds of regrets about what's happened in the past. All you ever see from Mary is a hope for the future. Marys don't walk around expecting to be chosen. They don't. The original Mary had no idea that she was going to be chosen. They're just waiting. Marys are people who are waiting to be used for the glory of God. And when God in his infinite wisdom calls upon them, they stand up and they say, Here I am, Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. So my question for you is, what's your tone this year? What is, what is your tone? Both Zechariah and Mary got to experience the good news, just like all of us will get to experience Christmas. Both of them expected big things. All of us expect big things. But they handled it in two very different ways. One was speechless, and one was grateful. Which are you? Let's pray together. Lord God, we confess that there are times when we are all merry. We have seasons of wanting to be all in. We're excited about what you're doing. We may have some, some reservations, but they are overshadowed by the hope of what is to come. In some years, we're Zachariah. We just, we just had a rough year. It's been too long. We still believe in you, but, but we've got some doubts. So what we're asking, Lord Jesus, is that wherever it is that we find ourselves this season, whatever our tone is, that you would take it up, that you would transform it, that all of us would look with wide-eyed wonder and generous hope towards the Christ that is to come. In your name we pray. Amen.